Hey everybody, it's uh, Greg, Detroit's Love Guru, coming to you live. I have a special guest from Sarah Speaks Up with domestic violence. We're going to talk about the ins and outs about domestic violence. It's going to be, she's an author, a speaker, definitely a survivor as well with a lot of insights. And I do a domestic violence aspect in October, but this is special and domestic violence should never be saved just for one month out of the year. So we're going to kick it off in a little bit. I'm going to introduce Sarah right after this. Take, pay attention. everybody let me bring Sarah into the mix there she is hopefully everybody can see Sarah and I want Sarah to introduce your herself if you will let everybody know a little bit about you and I know you wrote a book and I love the cover I know it's traumatic for a lot of people let's face it to cover but it's where a lot of people went through uh, surviving domestic violence so if Sarah you want to introduce yourself tell people your full name where they can find you and we'll kick this off. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show, Greg. Um, my cat always... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she loves to make her... her <laughs> she's she's on almost all of the shows that I've ever done. That's, that's all right. I'm an animal lover, so she we're all cool. She's set up and she's like, oh, it's my cue. I'm on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, uh, thank you all for having me. Um, thanks to the viewers just for listening in. I know this can be a tough topic, and but it's something that is so important not only to talk about, but to learn about. So for everyone out there who's listening, thank you guys so much. Um, as Greg said, my name is Sarah Gallardo, and I'm the founder and executive director of Sarah Speak Up, which is based out of Connecticut in the United States. Um, and this is for domestic violence awareness. Uh, we work on support project program uh, development and really just working with the community to uh, raise awareness of domestic violence so that people really understand uh, what it's about, what people are up against, and how to help. Um, as Greg mentioned, I am the author of Hiding in Plain Sight, which is, boom, there it is. There it is. Yeah, I love cover. the cover because it's just so, so dramatic and <clears throat> says a lot about it. Um, it it's phenomenal. So, um, and I, yeah, I appreciate you being on here, Sarah. And Sarah will put a link in the Facebook underneath the video, um, her link to the book and everything. I think yours is on Amazon too. I think we talked yeah. about that before. And, um, with domestic, it is, it's very, uh, there's a lot of myths about domestic violence. There's a lot of misconceptions about mm -hmm. domestic violence. And also does your program, you know, with sarahspeaksup.org, that's the website, I believe that I got that right, I think. But yes, um, do you offer a lot of um, insights and a lot of resources for, do you just center, do you center on women? Do you center on both women and men? And it, believe me, it's a touchy situation um, about domestic violence shelters. And I know you're in Connecticut, but you also provide resources throughout the country and other states. So yes, go with it. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, we, that's a couple like multifaceted question. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, try to check all those boxes. 
So, yeah, I mean, um, I have an international presence. So awesome. social media followers are from 25 different countries. So I've actually helped people eat in other countries as well. Um, interestingly enough, um, sometimes it's just a matter of a matter of a Google search and it's just something that either the person can't do themselves. They don't think they don't have enough information, whatever it is. It's easy enough for me to just go get them whatever resources they need. And, and that's, you know, the help that we can give, uh, in terms of gender in domestic violence, I always, I'm, I'm always very careful to consider my audience. So for example, if I'm speaking to a woman's group, um, I will explain to them, I don't like to use gender specific terms because domestic violence runs the gambit of not only, uh, men and women, um, transgender, pansexual, just anyone, everyone. It affects everyone in every walk of life, religion, uh, you know, race, culture, background, politics, you name it. I mean, yeah. it's everyone, everywhere. So um, that's important to know. And, and for that reason, whenever I speak to audiences like this, who are general, the general public, I always say um, terms like, uh, abuser, which is not gender specific. I say either victim or survivor, which um, is also not gender specific. And that speaks to the person who has been abused. The reason I say uh, victim or survivor is because everyone is a, at a different place in their healing journey. And so it's important. Um, I think for a while, everyone was like, don't say victim. There's this negative connotation, but quite frankly, being a victim isn't the onus is not put on the person who has been abused. It's it's important to acknowledge that an injustice has taken place, that you've Absolutely. experienced emotional and physical violence. And and if you feel that you're at the place in your healing journey where now you're a survivor, then we we use that term. And and I love that because there's a lot, even in uh Michigan, and I can't um, and I want to say the Metro Detroit area, there's a thing they even call, you know, victims rights, victims advocacy. There, there's a lot of things. So they use that. And I, I know the victim mentality, you know, comes from, and I mean, you can, you know, this as well, that, um, and I, I worked with a lot of children, you know, sexual abuse, abuse, and it happens, you know, we're, We'll get into that about adults and all that stuff. And, you know, it sort of takes, you know, oh, it takes the power away from that person calling them the victim that they have no power. They have no um, entity or no control over their life from this point on. And with your experience, you know, do you look at that? That's how a lot of, you know, if you want to say domestic violence uh, victims or survivors, do you think they feel that way? I, I can speak from experience, you know, not from me personally, but a lot of couples, a lot of clients. And I, you know, I work with individual clients and they've been in one domestic, you know, violence. I could tell you horrific stories as I'm sure you could share. And, you know, I'm all about trying to empower and have them have choices. But with you and your experience, it's so hard the feel that you have any control or any power of those situations. Can you relate to that? Yeah, I can absolutely relate to that. I, I remember in my own experience having uh, 
worked really hard to leave my ex-husband. I'll be honest, it, it, I was a victim for much longer than at the time I wanted to admit. So for me, when I was still being victimized, uh, whether that be emotionally, legally, financially, physically, mm. um, I, I always wanted to believe that I was further down my healing path than in reality I actually was. And that's something that's really difficult for people to grapple with when they're in that particular space. But I think it's important to be able to look back, right? And so in that moment, I, I could have called myself either victim or survivor. At the time, I wanted to say survivor so much more. Um, but to be honest, now looking back, I can see much more clearly the fact that mm -hmm. those things were still going on. And, and to be really introspective and honest with myself and say, no, yeah, I wasn't exactly in that survivor space yet. No, and it, it, that, there's a good point. It's like, uh, you know, being a victim and then you're a survivor once you start that healing process. And that's, I love that differentiation between the two, you know, one's more empowering and let's face it. And people, you know, they feel like they don't have the power or control out of their situations and, you know, being that victim and helpless, that's how people feel in that situation. You know, they feel we could, you know, we talked even, you know, before the show or, you know, when we set this up about, you know, men in those situations, it's, it can be worse because of the embarrassment. Oh, you're not a man. You let, you're letting your wife, girlfriend, whatever, or same sex couples, like you said, the L LGBTQ community as well, that you're not man enough that you're allowing somebody to do this to you. Yeah. And it's, it's demoralizing. It just rips you apart emotionally and let's face it, physically as well. It's that combination of aspect. Now, and yeah, I'm sure you get a lot of questions. There's a lot of myths about domestic violence. How would you, how would you define it? Ooh, and I know we, we could, we could be here for four hours defining domestic violence, but how would you define it? And I always look at, you know, the emotional or emotional, mental, and definitely physical aspects. And, uh, you know, hit me up. How do you define it, Sarah? Okay. So I could give you kind of a word in my brain. I'm, I'm sort of configuring my answer while you're asking. You're fine. Yeah. Put you on the spot. No. <laughs> well, it's okay. It's a little bit word soupy, but I'm just going to go for it. Um, you know, I think there's... <sighs> There's an important differentiation between a physically violent uh, relationship and an emotionally abusive relationship. Now, this, I'm sorry, I, I can't be really clear and succinct with this, but. No, you're fine. So uh, we are not negating emotional abuse. We are not negating financial abuse. Those, those, uh, types of abuse are as harmful, if not more sometimes than the physical violence. I think the difference is when it takes a step from that control, manipulation, um, you know, belittling and sort of uh, disempowering. Everybody throws that term out there, right? Gaslighting. Gaslighting. Oh gosh, all of this. It's, it's completely 
uh, emotionally debilitating, right? And the healing from that, so sort of the recovery, it can take a lifetime. The difference between that and physical violence um, is is ob obviously bodily injury. So breaking breaking a bone, uh, you know, bruises, scratches, uh, the possibility of strangulation. Now, I'm going to be honest. I was strangled by my ex husband, and um, oh, on more than one occasion. So this is actually really important for me to share, and I'm glad that we're doing this now because I want to look up a photo real quick. Um, I just found out last week that I've I've developed migraines and um, my neurologist has explained to me, I ended up doing an MRI. I don't know if people can see this. Um, so if you can see, there's two of my uh, discs that are stopping the flow of fluid. I see that. And it's actually, very obvious. Yeah, and actually touching my uh, spinal cord. Now, um, that will have lifelong implications for me. Uh, strangulation is the number one most dangerous uh, physically violent act, and that's even above um, gun violence. It's very, yeah, and it, it, you're absolutely correct. And it's, it's that form of power taking the life out of you. And if you've ever been, and we're not talking people that it's consensual asphyxiation and you're choking each other during sex play. We're not talking about that. Right. We're talking, it's not consensual. You Correct. feel your life is in danger. It's against any consent. It's a form of controlling you and possibly even killing you. Right. So I want to make that very clear. Yeah. So, I mean, the difference is that the person is intending to, well, okay. So think about it. What is the intent of strangulation? If it's excluding what you're talking about, uh, yeah. you know, during sexual intercourse, if that's a consensual act, the, the intent in an angry moment, if a person tries to strangle someone else, it is intended to, to kill. To do harm. Absolutely. Exactly. You stop the blood flow, you stop oxygen to the brain and there could be, you know, struggles that person has throughout their life. They don't even realize it's connected to right. having been strangled in the past just because our necks and our brains are so, um, they're so fragile and we really can't speak to the negative effects that happen right. because of it. So I always tell TBIs, them, yep, TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, loss of oxygen to the brain. Exactly. Uh, there, there is a lot of aspect, but not, you know, with the physical, you know, altercations and um, it, you run into, and I, I've heard this over and over again, sadly, but you know what, um, where people are very good at hitting people where they don't see the bruises, right? Yeah. The marks. And when you look at, you know, you can see and, you know, wearing a scarf and, you know, you look at people where, you know, having a scarf or a handkerchief or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's 90 degrees out and you're wondering what the heck's going on, you know, mm -hmm. the, and I'm not talking, you know, the Muslim faith or, you know, I'm not talking it's for religious purposes. I'm talking it's to hide the bruising and the scars 
around your face, around your neck. But some people with uh, physical domestic violence, as you know, are very good at causing, let's face it, ribs, stomach, kidneys. Uh, they're hitting you and causing these marks and bruises right. where people can't normally see them. Right. And that really speaks very much to premeditation and oh, yeah. that. Right. And so, and that speaks of a cycle of violence and a cycle of dysfunction. Uh, you know, we're talking about the definition of domestic violence and that's, um, you know, it has to do with the loss of control in a person's life and being coerced by someone else, uh, essentially being manipulated in a, um, in a domestic relationship. Now this is also, this can also be in a family dynamic. So it doesn't have to be a, a romantic love relationship, domestic violence. It, it could be from a parent towards a child, an adult child towards an elderly parent, uh, you know, the dynamics. It, and this is confusing because I think, you know, I was, I was born in the, well, I grew up in the eighties, right. And in the eighties, I think we didn't have, we didn't have all these, um, different definitions and these different, uh, you know, places for people to go to get help or even know that that's what's going on. It's like, yeah, you know, dad drinks too much and mom comes home from work and this is just the way it was when or, we were up. Right. And, and that, you know, what happens in our house stays in our house. You don't tell anybody. It was that coerce of that intimidation, if you will, on that. And going yeah. back, you know, the definition of, um, you know, if let's face it, uh, you much mentioned this, Sarah, about going, you know, back to the definition of domestic violence. You know, when there's, you know, let's face it, uh, would you call it bruising? Would you do you feel like um, the physical domestic violence has to have bruises lacerations, broken bones, ribs, or what is your take on the definition? What if someone just grabs you, holds you down against your will, and there's no bruising? Could you elaborate on that aspect? Absolutely. Um, the latter, what you mentioned, is also um, domestic violence, physical violence, being, he being held down, being pushed, uh, also being... Uh, kept in one place. Uh, so if yeah. your physical body is not allowed to leave a certain uh, room and go somewhere to get help, um, you know, that is also part of this kind of scenario. So the person doesn't necessarily have to touch you, but it has to do with your physical body continuing to be in a dangerous situation that you do not choose to be in. And I love that. That That's a great point. You have a lot of people that, um, and you could look at, even though oh, I never hurt, hit you or whatever, but you're grabbing the keys from someone's hands, grabbing their cell phones. And I yeah. run into this a lot and I educate, and I know every state has their different laws, you know, you, laws about what that is. But I tell people, I know people that have been arrested, men, women, whatever, that have grabbed, you know, they go to call for help or someone else or to call Uber or taxi, whatever. And they grab their cell phone. They, that is like a hostage situation and like, Oh, really mean you're just grabbing their, their keys. I'm not holding you from, yes, you are. And that's where it's very important. Like Sarah just mentioned that there are, you know, with physical altercations, when you are restraining or trying to lock the doors and 
you know, keep somebody from going somewhere, from getting help or even leaving the situation, that is a hostage situation. And I know here in Michigan, for a fact, they view that if it's pressed, they view that as, you know, you are holding someone against their will. And it's not a black and white situation. It's very clear cut. Yeah. So I want to speak to that because you're bringing up a really good point. Um, for me, when I was uh, in in the sort of thick of the yeah. name abuse, um, I mean, there was one time when I was being physically abused for over 24 hours. Oh it was it was literally a 24 hour period of time. Oh. It took place in different locations. I was forced to drive without my glasses on. Um, I was, you know, while I was driving, he threw alcohol in my eyes. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting and very different because the, the use of a vehicle is also, I mean, in my book, I have a chapter called the casino where using a car, he was driving and he said, I'm going to kill us all. So that's physical violence. But, but another thing is that on the day when I experienced that over 24 hour period of abuse, there were very key and very specific items that were taken from me on purpose. And everyone, if you haven't thought about this, I want you to think about it right now. For me, the things that were taken were my wallet. No my access to money, financial, let's phone, face it. Yep. My car keys, my glasses, and my shoes can't even run. No, well, you, I, you could, but you but, could. Yeah, lacerations. Your feet are all cut up, and and so, there have been situations where they have not had. And I know this. Even thinking back, it's very emotional uh, for you, or even people listen. And I, you know, I don't this episode, whatever, the Art of Relationship Show, of course, is to educate. And I know, you know, listening to this can, for those people that have endured and are survivors or, you know, victims of domestic violence, it can be very triggering. And, yeah. you know, it can be, be it's, a, everyone uses the term process, but there's a lot of truth to it. it. It can be a lifelong process. I don't want this to hold, hold hostage or any trauma. I have a lot of trauma experiences as well, you know, working with trauma of all walks of life. I don't want that trauma to hold power over you uh, for the rest of your life. Sounds easy up here in the head, right? Oh yeah, great. But when it's in your body and your heart and your soul, it's not that easy as you know, Sarah, and lived with. Yeah. Um, going, you know, the physical violence, all forms. And I love that. I appreciate your insights. What about the, the mental, emotional? And there's, there's a hard time and I, People sort of differentiate or have a hard time. They they assume it's both emotional and mental. In my per purpose and perspective, I get that. I understand that. But we'll just hit on the mental, emotional, domestic violence or abuse that you have seen and you have heard, you know, even what you went through too. And I can share, definitely share some stories. Yeah, I, I you know, we talk about um, people being creative as a really positive thing, right? Artistic and writers and, you know, designers and such. But I have never stopped being, I think, shocked or maybe even sort of just 
shaken by how creative these abusive people can be. And the fact that I've been doing this for as long as I have, and I still hear stories that I'm like, never in my life would I ever have thought that you could use a, a pack of ramen noodles in that way, you know, just anything, really anything. And this, this also brings up now COVID, which, which we're all dealing with. Domestic violence cases and calls have risen or at least sort nope. of been unearthed. So there are absolutely either one where they were quarantined with an abuser and they've already been trying to leave or two, the person was minimally sort of on the cusp of being abusive. And then all of these stressful circumstances have sort of exacerbating exacerbated their bad behavior yes. and then they became abusive. Either way, there has never since domestic violence uh, numbers and statistics begun right. being collected, there's never been a global spike in cases in the way that there has during COVID. And yes. can you believe that abusers have found ways to use the COVID uh, virus against their victims saying, Absolutely. Oh, um, you can't leave. You, if you go out there, you're going to get COVID. There's nowhere for you to stay. We're supposed to be in the house, uh, you know, or they'll even say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get COVID, bring it back to yeah. the house. You don't even know you, you and the kids could die, things like that. And now you're saying, well, please don't go because I don't want you to get sick. It's, Excuse me. And Sarah, you're absolutely right. And I talk, you know, you have more, you know, stress, financial stress, people losing jobs during COVID. It's even more yeah. uh, devastating. It's more a huge issue. And you look at, and you know, the examples you just gave, like talking about great, as far as the emotional, mental manipulation and, you know, almost playing a victim. Oh, you don't want to go out because you might bring COVID back to to the kids and you don't want to do that. If you really loved us, it's very coercive, very manipulative about yeah. making that person feel guilty and shameful and yeah. sort of, and I tell people it's about like trying to get them to sell out the essence of who they are. And it's all for your own selfish purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be absolutely honest. There, there is no exaggeration in what I'm about to say. I experienced severe domestic violence and I was even shot at by my ex-husband. Yeah. Oh yeah. To the point where it was, I was so traumatized that once I, we, we finally got out of that situation. I had my daughter who's 13 now, but at the time she was six months old. I had a six month old infant with me. Oh man. And I was so traumatized that I was in literal shock actual shock. And for six months, now me, I am a very active person. You know, I, I've done all kinds of different things. And so even, even when I'm trying to relax, like Wednesdays are my day off and, and they're usually the busiest. Ones. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, don't be sorry. This is what I do. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, I'm happy to be here, but um, you know, and at the time for six months, I sat in the same place on a couch 
in my grandmother's house with, you know, my daughter there. She was in her little jumpy thing. I would feed her and change her. But otherwise, I sat in the same place every single day. Other than that, I ate and I slept. That's it. I did not go outside. I did not make phone calls. I did not have visitors. I did not watch TV. I did not listen to the radio. I didn't read books. I did nothing. I went nowhere and I talked to no one because I couldn't even process everything that had happened to me. I was basically like a cell phone when you finally actually turn it off, right? It was like you're, you can hold the phone. Well, the battery, the battery dies, right? Let's face it. And yeah. what, you know, Sarah is experiencing a lot of people I'm sure can relate to in, you know, these situations that get th thrown out there, but you know, what Sarah experienced and everything there, there's a, a huge uh, post-traumatic stress. Um, yeah disorder that sets in for a lot of people. And it could be, you know, like, I can't talk to anybody. I can't, you know, I have no one to help me. No one's going to trust me. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think all this aspect. And then we can throw in, you know, the other post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms, nightmares, fear responses, right? You're looking over your shoulder all the time. You're wondering every time the phone rings, is it that person, the abuser? Is it, you know, even, you know, someone drives by your house and you look out the window and you're already picturing that person and it might not be. These are all responses that are related to that trauma traumatic experience or not only one traumatic experience, which could be horrific in itself, but when you're doing this through, you know, over a month, weeks, years that a people endure 20 years in this situation. And it's very, very, people don't understand it unless you're in that situation. And I know, you know, when we talked, you know, setting this up, sir, I, I talk about a lot of people will look at, you know, with domestic violence, physical, emotional, all that aspect, let's, you know, we'll center on the physical violence where your, you know, your life definitely could be taken. And you have, a lot of other professionals in this field, and I get very, very, I'll say it, pissed off, okay, at other professionals in the field, other people, other women, whatever, um, that'll say, oh, hurry up, grab the kids and leave, you know, go out, hurry up and leave, get out of here, get away from that situation. And I tell people, that's great, you know, uh, great theoretically, but right. in practicality, that might not work because what's going to happen, like you said, you know, you no money. You know, you have no gas in the car, even if you have access to gas, you know, or even the car. What happens? You have no money for food. You yep. have domestic violence shelters, women's shelters or shelters for men. Let's face it. They're booked. They're full. Yep. You have no say you live in it. You live away from friends, family, that type of situation, which is very, let's face it, isolating because mm -hmm. your friends in a domestic violence situation, severe cases you're not going to have friends. So that's, you're embarrassed. You're all this stuff, the emotional aspect. So what do you do? Now you go back and it's now you feel even more hopeless, helpless. Now I'm stuck and I have to endure this. That's where I talk about people, you know, you need to have a plan in place. Be safe, you know, set resources up if you can. Um, and, you know, if you don't have a phone or it's always checked or bugged, you have to be careful mm -hmm. and, you know, you need the plan because if you get out of that house and you don't have these resources, you're, you know what, what are you going to do? And I'm a realist. I want you to get out of that situation big right. time, but I want you to be smart about it. 
And what do you advise your peeps, your people, Sarah, when it comes to these situations? All right. Now I'm taking a pen and paper because you just brought up like 18 really important topics. I talked about this when I do, you know, I do a domestic violence episode in October. But like I said, at the beginning of this show, it's it should not be just uh, domestic violence awareness month, October. It needs to be every month. So go right ahead. I'm sorry, Sarah. Yeah, no, please. I mean, honestly, so you brought up so many really important topics. First of all, I'll I'll start with just the finances, Uh, you know, because you're, you're talking about being a realist and I get that, right? We have emotional, there's an emotional aspect of this, but there's also a really practical aspect of this. First of all, uprooting your kids, if they're in school, then you have to take them out of school. What are they going to do with their education? Uh, You know, if you have no money, you can't pay for a hotel room more often than not domestic violence shelters are at 100% full capacity to the point where they usually need to fundraise and keep emergency funds so that they can pay for hotel rooms for their clients just to get them out in dangerous enough situations. And then we're talking about relocating. Okay. So uh, hypothetically speaking, let's say you have the help of a domestic violence organization. Now, now my recommendation is to go through them first and foremost, because they have community connections with shelters. They can help you get food. They can help you get clothing. They can help you with employment. That is the most comprehensive kind of help that you're going to get anywhere you are, anywhere in the United States. And I know this applies in other countries as well, but not every country. So just for the purpose of this conversation, we'll talk about the United States. Um, there, There are organizations like this to help you for as many of those needs as they possibly can. They have social workers to guide you through this. There are things called a, um, oh gosh, what is it? The, um, safety planning. So it, you can actually Google a, a list called safety planning when yeah. exiting a domestic violence relationship. Make sure you take your passport, your birth certificate, your you know deed or whatever, the deed to the house if you need it yeah. or your, the car, whatever those kinds of Absolutely. things. Now, here we talked about people being traumatized and this emotional PTSD and shock you're not thinking about not. your passport. Yes. You're, not. you're thinking of getting out of that situation and getting to safety so you can breathe. And then you look back and let's face it, those documents get destroyed. They get, right. you know, burned up. Yes. Thrown in the trash. Mm-hmm. And, oh, now I have to go back and get it or whatever, or, you know, police escort. You And you don't know even if it's around. And you know, as well as I do, Sarah, um, Every, I don't care what state you are in, what country you're in. Well, I shouldn't say that, but um, here in America, Canada, police, their worst ever cause that they absolutely hate to go on is domestic violence situation. 100%. Yep. Um, so uh, Sarah is giving great advice. And, you know, if you are in that situation, um, that safety plan is so, so important. People yes. have safety plans. If there's a hurricane, you know, hurricane down south or, you know, the southeast in the United States, if there's mm-hmm. tornadoes, there's safety plans. But when it comes to domestic violence, you know, there's a lot of people that they don't think about it. 
And, you know, I mean, no one wants to ever think or be in a domestic violence situation. And you're sort of, like Sarah said many, many times throughout the episode, that, you know, you're in a state of shock. You can't even believe what's going on, let alone think straight or what should I do, you know? So I want to tell people, um, you know, it's really important to know what your options are and where you can get that safety and that confidence. Uh, if you're going to a doctor's appointment, any doctor, literally even a walk-in, if you go in there by yourself, uh, for me, even my abuser would come into the doctor's appointments with me. To avoid you talking about it. And that is a huge sign that, no, I'll yes. go in. It could be an OB visit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The mental health, um, mental health professionals, me, you know, people like me, we mm -hmm. have to be aware of these situations, especially me working with couples. Yeah. Um, and you're right, doctor's office, uh, pediatricians, emergency room, the that pharmacist. type of situation, pharmacists. Yep. You can hand them a note, even a handwritten note during COVID. Um, I know in England, I think, I'm, I can't recall the exact number, but I know that if you wrote this number on a piece of paper and just handed it to the pharmacist, yeah. they knew you were being abused and they, they have all your information in their yeah. files. They know your number. They know your home address. They know all of that stuff because they have to have it for your insurance. Um, you know, hairdressers, you'd be amazed. At, they've actually started training hairdressers because yeah. as we all know, a lot of people's hairdressers or nail technicians, you sit there and you're chatting away because yes. you're kind of I a can't, I can't relate to hair. So I'm just, you know, I can't relate to hair. Are you hey, jealous? Yeah, Greg? I am jealous. No, I'm used to, I'd look, I'd probably freaking people would freak out if I walked in one day with freaking a wig or hair on, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. And that, that is so important that there are resources, but a lot of people, the reality, you know, some people don't want to get involved. Some people want to look at, you know, those elements. And, you know, we, we're talking before we're going live today about people and let's, it happens. There's men, there's women out there that fake domestic violence situations. And it is so horrific. They'll hit themselves. So, you know, they'll hit their head on the wall. They'll hit themselves with their own fish. They'll cut themselves with the knife and all this stuff. And those are just horrific situations and they ruin it. Um, it, it. They just ruin it for people that are actually in legitimate horrific situations, you know? Yeah, it's it, really it's, important that in a situation like that, if you, if you are in a romantic relationship with someone who is doing those kinds of activities, not, like you mentioned, cutting themselves, hitting themselves, doing any of those things, a lot of us now, we just have our cell phones in our pocket. It's important that if you can take video of that, because that's going to protect you. Number one, yes. number two, there is not a single person who has done those kinds of things as revenge or to frame their partner yep. doesn't need mental health help. I am. Um, they absolutely need. I'm not disagreeing. Help. I am not disagreeing with you. And we're not talking. That's what I said. You have a lot of people that, that fake, you know, fake stuff or whatever. And it's, you know, if you want to look at that's very emotionally mental abusing, you know, they threaten somebody, um, you know, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. If you leave me, I'm going to hurt myself or, yeah. you know, the situation, if you leave me, you know, and you know, it's all over the news. Um, yeah. 
well, Metro Detroit, whatever, domestic violence where they shoot that person or kill that person, kill themselves. And it's a horrific situation. But there's some people in desperation if they do that. And I tell people, you know, if you're with somebody with that, you need to separate from that individual because you don't want to go in, you know, jail, prison for something you didn't do. And even if they come at you, um, you know, you're trying to fight back and, you know, you're trying to fight, you know, save your own life or protect yourself. And you end up in jail for a situation that you're just trying to protect yourself. And right. some people are very, very good at coercing the law. They're coercing the police. They're, you know, coercive the situation. They, oh, the look what he did or look what she did to me. And very good at manipulating the situation. And it, it those are very, very, well, all that domestic violence is toxic, but yeah. it, it, it's very, very, very difficult to deal with. Uh, Sarah, what is your advice as far as, um, starting a healing process before we say goodbye? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what is your advice as far as the healing process after you're out of that situation and feeling guilty for leaving, guilty for taking, oh, the kids are away from the abuser. Oh, it's their mom. It's their dad. It's grandpa. It's, you know, that type of, oh, it's your brother. It's your, you know, it's your sister. How could you not be away? You, you get me? And that guilt and manipulation from other family members, society, the kids, the that person. Mm -hmm. um, what is, what would you advise the first step? mentally, emotionally, psychologically, the mental health component about reaching out, trying to get help? That's a really great question. And I'm glad we're talking about that because, you know, we can, we can talk about the dynamics till we're blue in the face, but if you don't know what to do and, and what next steps to take, you're kind of uh, a little bit stuck. You know, for me, I, it was 100% life-changing for me, I had to attend a domestic violence survivor support group. And I did that by choice. Some people are court ordered to go to groups like that, but I did it by choice because I needed to for four years, once a week for four years. Now I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, th there are people out there who might not like support groups. They might think mental health you know, whatever, a stigmas, anything. Whatever. I want everyone to chuck those preconceived notions, please, because yes. your mental health comes before anybody's opinion of you. Your opinion of yourself is what matters the most. Number one, number two, being in a room full of people who automatically get it is priceless. You don't have to explain yourself to them. You don't have to give them the background. Everybody who walks in that door has shared some version of your experience. And that is priceless. It is invaluable. Nope. Another nope. thing is that everyone who goes into that room, even if it's virtual right now, if they have them virtually, I beg you to do. give it a try. Please give it a try. It's a lot easier. You can stay in your pajamas. You don't have to go out if there's snow. I mean, seriously, but to be sharing, uh, you know, I used to go to the support group and there were moms who would talk about, um, 
where's the best place to go for um, some moms had food insecurity. So yeah. other moms knew exactly where to go. They gave them a name of a person. Uh, you know, how about childcare? How can I sign up for this program? And they more, more resources, right? Exactly. It's this wealth of knowledge yep. and also understanding and lack of judgment. And, Absolutely. And, and we can talk about, you know, and resources about, you know, even if some groups might have, you know, guest speakers, but in, you're worried about y your privacy. And I, I know that and the embarrassment, this is all part of everybody it. Everybody there has to keep it confidential. And they're supposed to. Right. They're supposed to. Right. And it's, um, you know, looking at those situations that, you know, even if you need health insurance, um, you know, Medicaid, even welfare to get back on your feet. You mentioned this a lot, you know, a while ago about job training, about, you know, employment type situations. And it's yeah. people, there's so many people out there that are willing to help you if yes. you allow it. And it, it's so difficult. Let's face it. You know, it, it, you might not have control and that's okay. You're yeah. here. And to admit that, you know, everyone needs help and, you know, men, right. Ego trips and all this stuff. Um, and the biggest thing, you know, one of the biggest things that I, I look at in this situation is, you know, the embarrassment, oh, people are going to blame me. It's my fault I got hit. It's my fault. And those negative stigmas, and I, you can relate to this, Sarah. And, you know, a lot of people you help is looking at, you know, the stigma, oh, it's my fault. I did something wrong to cause this. And that's that, that victimization. That's that mental coercion, the gaslighting, all that stuff that you think, right? Oh, if you didn't piss me off, I wouldn't have hit you. Or, you know, if you didn't deserve this, there's no way I would have done this. If you really love me the way, you know, you're supposed to, this wouldn't have happened. There's mm -hmm. all that mental, emotional turmoil that gets thrown into it. Well, and to your point, Greg, it's important to learn how to undo that mental programming. Dude. And so going to a support group is one thing. But for me, I almost had to immerse myself in this culture of the opposite of what that was. And so on, in my experience, I listen to audiobooks a lot. We've got our wireless, you know, headphones now. Listen to audiobooks. You know, why did he do that? I mean, pick up my book if you want. There are so many books. There are also um, like social media groups that you can join there that are, are, you know, narcissist awareness and, you know, abuse survivor, such and such. I have a page, Sarah Speaks Up on Facebook and Instagram. People go on there and they support each other. They ask questions. Oh, it should be. Yes. Yeah. And so what you want to do is think about all the places where you you spend time, energy, and effort. Okay. We, we all check Facebook. So make sure your feed has got some positivity coming up. Whatever goes into your ears is that, um, you know, heavy metal music, you might be a little angry at the end of the day. Why don't we flip it to, you know, some positivity? Don't some, say country music. Please don't say country music. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> uh, no, no, no offense to all your country, all the country music fans out there, right? It, you're right. And it, it's, uh, it, and I'm all about, even with couples, and I explain this all the time, I'm all about self-love and self-respect. Yeah. Even, you know, with, I never want people to sell themselves out 
in any type of relationship. And I'm not talking, you know, use outside of domestic violence, but especially in those situations that you deserve love. You deserve that, that respect. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you get your way all the time. No, but in those situations, and it's hard when you're, you know, the chronic domestic violence, the horrific situations, it's hard to believe in that. Yeah. You know, and I want to speak a little bit to that, Greg. Um, And if people, I think people have talked a lot more about healthy boundaries, just societally more recently. I mean, like I said, I grew up in the eighties. Nobody talked about healthy boundaries at all, at least not to me, Yeah. Um, you know, but we're talking about emotional boundaries. We're talking about, uh, you know, if somebody is trying to get you to do something or go somewhere or say something that you don't feel right about, you have every right to say that doesn't sit well with me. I'm going to, I'm going to have to decline, you know, you, you looking into what are healthy boundaries, what do they look, sound and feel like, right? Because a lot of people come out of these situations. They don't even know what it feels like to honor their, their space their wants and needs they're they've got they've become so used to conceding to what their uh, abuser has sort of people please them to want to have to do you know that they don't even know what they like or want i mean when i got out of that situation i didn't know what my clothing style was because he actually made me wear certain clothes, have a certain haircut, yeah. all of it. So I had to actually go through like, what do I like? What is my favorite color? And I was in my late, tw- almost 30, you know? It's really important to know those things about yourself. We, we tend to think, oh, you know, what your favorite color is, who really cares? Those are those fundamental human things that, that, People kind of sometimes take for granted, you know, it is and that and all this great advice. Um, I want to thank Sarah, Sarah, hold up your book again, um, please. So people can, people can uh, see it. Oh, there it is. Hiding in plain sight. You can find it on Amazon. Sarah will uh, post the link down below where people can find it. Check it out, please. Check out Sarah's group. Uh, Sarah speaks up. Dot org, find her on Facebook, all over the place. Sarah, thank you so much. Um, and I'm going to close out the show and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. So absolutely. And we'll, awesome. I'll have you on, believe me, periodically. I'd love to have that if you want to do that. Okay, cool. Thanks so much, Sarah. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much. And I want to uh, thank Sarah again, sarahspeaksup.org. And you can, uh, you know, check out my website, theartofrelationships.org, and domestic violence is not a laughing matter, okay? So get to help. The help is out there. It's scary. It's not easy. So check out my website again, the Art of Relationships show, or Art of Relationships, sorry, .org. Check out the Art of Relationships show every Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern time, right here on Facebook and YouTube.